Hello and welcome to the Tend to Trap Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. Joining me as always in the co-host chair is nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! And we cover 10 of the most important, intriguing matches from around the world every single week. But as we define them, which might be a little bit different than other shows define them, and there's nothing wrong with covering the biggest tournaments and the biggest club teams and matches every single week, week after week. But you know what? We think it's a lot more interesting and fun to travel all over the world looking for matches that are important in the leagues and countries where they're being played. It's important there. There's a pretty good chance that we're going to cover it. You'll find out. And I hope that you'll forgive us this week in case we're walking with a little bit of a limp or something like that. We're getting older. And yes, we're bragging on ourselves. Next week, episode 50, we had two weeks off earlier in the year. It's our birthday for the show or anniversary. I don't even know which is appropriate for a podcast. Podcast noob, even at a year old, apparently. My handle on Twitter, by the way, is Soccer Noob USA. So if you're listening to this and you have a chance, it would really be fun for me to show Person Noob some well wishes from people who have heard this show. So take a moment to send us a tweet if you care to. She's been having a lot of fun with this, especially of late, creating her own segments, whether they're soccer related or not. Now back to the footy. This week we're going to talk about matches from Friday 9-17 through Thursday the 23rd. With no further ado, let's jump right into the podcast with... Match number one! We will keep things chronologically oriented as always. No Friday matches happen to make our cut this particular week. So we start on Saturday and on our side of the pond in Mexico, Liga MX, where the top 12 teams will all make the league playoffs, but only the top four will get to advance straight through to the quarterfinals automatically. Now, in terms of international tournament berth, Liga MX gets to qualify multiple teams straight through to next year's CONCACAF Champions League. The top two from this stage, the Apertura, will be amongst those that get to go. A reminder for our newer footy fans that Mexico, along with a lot of other Latin American countries, divide their soccer year This is the 2021-22 season into two separate single round robin stages, opening and closing, Apertura y Clausura, and this is the Apertura. And they're about halfway through the stage. In any case, your matchup is second place in the table, Toluca taking on number one, Club de America. Best darn team probably in all of North America. And to that end, they lead by three points over Toluca right now. The series, kind of to my mild surprise, has been a little bit even in recent years. Uh, America has a very slight lead on them. Nine wins, 10 draws, eight losses. You can catch this, and I encourage you to do so, at 8 p.m. on Univision on Saturday night. We'll talk about the host teams first. Toluca, they are known as the Red Devils. Uh, that city is about the number five size metro in all of the country, about two and a half million people. It's in the state of Mexico. To be honest, it's pretty close to the capital city. Uh, it's an industrial city, but it's also got lots and lots and lots of international companies due to its proximity to the capital. But they have not lost track of their roots. Going all the way back to colonial times, there have been various uh, kinds of meat processing going on here that have helped serve the whole region. And they are most famous for pork sausage, known there as chorizo. So if you get that, there's a pretty good chance, no matter where you are, that that's where it came from. Uh, In a 2018 poll, interesting side note, for all the success that Toluca's had over the years, they're only considered to be the number eighth most popular team in Mexico. 
As far as the footy, internationally, two CONCACAF Champions League titles to their credit. 2003 was the last one. Then you've got to go all the way back to 1968 for the first. They have won 10 league or stage titles, but none since 2010. Last year, which would be the 2020-2021 Clausura stage, they finished in 11th place. Barely made the playoffs, but did get to the quarterfinals. This year, statistically, offense, that is what they have lived on because they are tied for best in the league in that department. But, oh, my goodness, is their defense woeful. They are only tied for number 12 in that particular category. So they lean very heavy on their 37-year-old captain, veteran, Argentinian, Rubens Sambuesa. He is tied for... uh, Second best in scoring in the league and also number one on assists. Interesting. I believe that a different team have the rights to him right now, Leon. So that would put him here on loan for Toluca. Actually spent the greatest, uh, the heart of his career, if you will, with their opponents today, Club de America from 2012 to 2016. As far as their current form, they've got two straight wins and they have only conceded two goals in their last three matches. So the defense might actually be starting to turn around a little bit. Club de America, they are known as the Eagles. Um, I've talked about them several times before, and so I always look for a couple little interesting historical notes about them to uh, keep things spiced up. Their founding was in 1916, and they were actually two college teams that came together. Raycord and Cologne were the names of their clubs, and they merged officially on Columbus Day, hence the name of the club, Club de America. They decided to name it after him. Last year, 2021 Clausura, they finished in second place, made the quarterfinals of the playoffs. This year, they are undefeated, and it is largely on the backs of their defense. They have only conceded three goals in all eight matches, and they've also got a top four offense to match. Uh, tied for second best in the league in assists is Salvador Reyes, probably their overall best uh, offensive player, but they've got a ton. Interestingly, he's not purely an offensive player. He plays left back, but must be a fairly box-to-box player, and he's just 23 years old. Their best all-around player statistically has been on the defensive side, as you might imagine, based on their stats. A central defensive midfielder from Peru, Pedro Aquino. Uh, he was with Leon before coming over here a couple of years ago. Really good passer, and he needs to be, because if you're watching him on the field, you may not see him tackling and really getting physical with people. He's only five feet, nine inches. Uh, as far as the team's current form, they are two, one and zero in their last three. And the draw was an away match. I have been very torn on my thoughts for how this one was going to go. I'm glad to see Toluca seeming to have a uh, good streak on defense. And I thought that maybe they would be able to earn a draw against Club de America, but uh, this is really America's stage. And I believe that they will come away with the road win. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us, as always, person noob, that the phrase, yuck, number two, it's bathroom talk. We all know what it means. It's not couth. So, noobites, join us in our revolution and replace that phrase in your lives with number B. It is so much more polite. And on to the second match of our podcast. We're headed to Cameroon, where the top flight is called Elite One. This is the number 13 ranked league in all of Africa, which is really cool and surprising because a year ago they were in 29th. Now, the sad little bit of irony, if that's the right word here, is that the top 12 countries all get to send two league representatives to the Champions League. So for all that they had, the big climb, they needed to get one spot higher for it to mean anything in that particular regard. And I don't have anything to say on the match other than this. 
has been postponed. More specifically, a few days ago, the semifinals were to be held. One of the two semifinals ended up being specifically listed as postponed. The other one didn't have that same demarcation, but nor was there a final score listed, and the final is listed as postponed. Hopefully, they'll be getting in that next week. Regardless of when it is, you can be sure that Team Noob will be covering it. Yes, enough of the footy again. Let's talk about something else for just a little bit. This is one of Person Noob's favorite segments to do, her sandwich review. But are we reviewing a sandwich this particular week? No. What are we, is it that we have instead, my culinary genius friend? I don't know what it's called. I put a dessert together for my dad, and I haven't tried it yet. Okay, you want to tell the listeners what's in it since this is an audio podcast. It is my mandarin oranges. In green Jello, kind of sour, whipped cream with whipped cream on, whip, with whipped cream on top, and chocolate chips on top of the whipped it's, cream. It's a little hard to pronounce when you've already been eating some of it, haven't you? Well, getting getting a head start on your review. But... No. <laughs> well, I had some of it earlier. You're gonna have some now. Do you uh, want to take a bite and tell us what you think of your nameless creation? Here we have the traumatic pause. She just got a little jello with that particular one. And now a giant bite with whipped cream all over her face, and I'm getting more on her nose. It's too bad there's no video to this. All right, so what do you think, messy face? Hey. <laughs> one don't spit on my sock. It's great if I hadn't just choked on it. <laughs> yes, safety first. So, now, what what do you think of your dessert creation? It's good. Okay, you want to give us any particulars on why you think it's good or improvements you would make? The mandarin oranges with the jello. <coughs> it's just like a sour flavor. And then with the whipped cream on top, it's like a really sweet flavor. Where if they mix, and then the chocolate chips are just... Cho- just really chocolate? Yeah, they're chocolate. Chocolate needs a, no explanation. Uh, chocolate is, uh, uh, other than the Holy Word of God, proof that there is a God in the universe and that he loves us very much. Some people would argue it's bacon. I argue that that is chocolate, but I wouldn't put bacon in this particular dessert. Any improvements you would make for the future? Nope. nope it's perfect as it is. You're going to have, you Wait. have any ideas for a name? Nope, but I do. I have thought of one improvement. Okay. I'm going to add a grape to the top. Oh yes, sort of put a, a flare on a cherry, a cherry on top. Except it's a grape, so not really the expression. A grape on top. In any case, I had it earlier, and I also give it a couple of noob thumbs up. The uh, the Jello is a uh, non-sugar free. We don't believe in that in our household. <laughs> we like to have the sugary stuff. It is a lime Kool-Aid Jello with the mandarin oranges, the whipped cream, and the chocolate chips. Now, I'm a big fan of citrus flavors and mixing citrus flavors. I'm sure I've had things before with lime and orange both in there, but not by themselves as the only citrus flavors. To be perfectly honest, I wasn't sure that that was going to work, but it really did. The base of this dessert is bright and it is heavenly. The whipped cream is amazing. The chocolate chip is wonderful. And I think the next time that uh, that we have guests over to the house that we should actually make this. In fact, maybe we'll even take it out of the Kool-Aid cups and put it in fancy uh, dessert dishes. What do you think of that? Sure. Sure. Yeah, she's busy eating. Doesn't have time to tell you a whole lot else. So that concludes. Person Noob Sandwich Review. Match number three. 
Match number three is another Saturday match, and we're headed deep into the AFC. That is the Asian Football Confederation for the number 40th ranked league out of the group. In fact, there's only a handful of leagues ranked lower than this one. And the only reason they're ranked lower necessarily is because they don't really have a rating at all. They simply don't participate internationally. Person noob, which country are we headed for? Mongolia. Mongolia. Persinub, your Oregon Scientific Globe is a wonder of educational and technological achievement, is it not? Sure. The 80s synthesized sound of the Mongolian National Anthem was truly a delight to behold, or a belight to dehold, as I nearly said. What did you think of it, apart from my mispronunciations? It's cool and amazing, and it's Oregon, not Oregon. Okay. Well, the state is Oregon, and then there are some uh, things like the historical Oregon Trail where the pronunciation is correctly different, and I couldn't tell what it was for this. But I will take your word for it. This is your department, Person Noob, and quite frankly, one of the many reasons that I have you here to help me out. Now, getting back to the footy, we'll talk a little bit more about the Mongolian Premier League. Because they are rated so low, they only get one international berth, and that team, their champion, goes to the AFC Cup. Note that that is not the AFC Champions League. It is a secondary uh, tournament for the winners of a lot of the smaller leagues and second, third, or fourth place teams from some of the larger countries. In any case, they're a little over halfway through the season there. And your matchup is number one, Athletic 220, versus it was number B at the time I scouted the game, but right now, and it's a tight race for two through four, number four, Khan Kuhn's Urkham or Urchum. I'm not sure which it is. I tried to find it. In any case, they played earlier this season and Athletic 221 on the road one to two. Here's how the table stands. 220 lead two clubs, Darren and the Falcons by five, and then they lead, uh, let's call them KKE, their opponent today, by seven. First, we'll talk a little bit about the hosts and your front riders, Athletic 220. Like the vast majority of the teams in this league, they play in the capital city of Ulaanbaatar, which is understandable. Literally half the population of the entire country, I believe 1.5 million in the city, live in the greater Ulaanbaatar area. Interesting side note on this group, because he doesn't play for them. He is their manager. We don't talk a lot about those usually on the Team Noob podcast, but Person Noob, I have tried and tried. What do you think that this manager's name is? Baskalagian. Okay, that's the first name. What do you think the last name looks like? Garid Magania. That is probably as close as I would have come and probably a lot better. Good job. He have a very long name. He's 35 years old and he's actually retired from club play. He last played for uh, uh, Darren, one of the clubs I mentioned earlier, but he still plays for the national team as a midfielder, interestingly. Uh, this club, it's a very new team, just founded five years ago, and yet they are the defending champs. They had a quick rise. And thusly, they got to play at the AFC uh, Cup the last time it got played two years ago. They did go 0-3, but they did manage to score a goal, and that was against uh, Lee Mann from Hong Kong. So, you know, good for them for making a baby step there. This year in the league, they have been statistically dominant. Number one offense, they score uh, exactly 2.5 goals per match right now, and they have the number one defense. They let in less than one goal per match, as you might imagine, number one overall goal differential. 
Their current form, uh, they've won seven straight uh, matches, and as good as they are statistically, they've done it more on the backs of their offense. Now, KKE, their nickname is interesting because I just wonder if this is a little thing in the translation because you would think linguistically that you could not have more than one of these, right, person noob? There's either lightning or there is not lightning or there is a lightning strike or there are lightning strikes. Exactly, and yet what is their nickname? The Lightnings. The Lightnings with an S. There you go. In any case, they were founded in 1994, so a little bit older. Uh, they were uh, Urchum FC or Urchum FC, and then they merged last year with a different club, Cons Coons, and just uh, put the two club names together. They are also playing in the capital city. Interestingly, they are the first club, however, to have their own stadium. Most of the clubs that play in the capital all play in one big stadium. A couple of them play in one other's. But the Lightnings of KKE have their very own. And I Googled up some pictures. It's capacity 2000. And it's kind of stark. It was almost a little creepy because the thermal power plant on one side, the name of the company is simply Thermal Power Plant Number 4, which sounds to me like it's out of a Marvel or DC Comics movie, is on one side. It has a very three-mile island look to it, quite frankly. The company that owns that owns this team. But then it's got the gorgeous mountains on the other side. So it was a really stark contrast. In any case, they have been the dominant power since they have come into existence. 12 league titles, most recently 2018. In 2017 was the first time that I believe a team from this league was allowed to go to the AFC Cup, and they got to go. They made the group stage, and that is the best of the times they've gotten to go. Last year, they finished number four in the league. Statistically excellent as well. Second best defense, uh, tied for number one on, or rather tied for second best offense, tied for number one on defense, second best goal differential. So even though they're behind two other teams, I think that this, especially KKE, can somehow get a road result today that the league race is going to come down to these two teams. However, they did just hit a little snag, their form. Uh, They are 2-1-0 in their last three, but that one loss is in their last game. They lost to the lowly number eight Lions. So it'll be interesting to see if they can recover. Match number four. Another Saturday match, and we're going to take a look at a game from the FA Cup second qualifying round in England. This is one of my favorite tournaments in the whole world to cover because the FA Cup in England doesn't just stretch down two or three levels into their league system. They go all the way down to the 10th level. So you get well into the semi-professional ranks and probably even some high-end amateur groups of leagues send representatives to this. Now, the, quote, event proper, end quote, is not really considered to have begun until the group stage time the calendar has arrived, and that's when the Premier League teams enter and get to start playing against all the the teams that entered the qualifying phases earlier in the tournament. Where we are right now is the second qualifying round. We still have plenty of teams left from the ninth level of English football still alive. Any team that makes it as one of the last 32 survivors after the fourth qualifying round will have made the group stage. And we like to look for middles, the minnows, those giant slayers. The matchup I've chosen is the only one that involves two level nine teams. So we will get a ninth level team into the third round, at least one. And it will be either Norwich United or Mildenhall Town. Norwich playing host. We'll talk about them first. They are known as the Planters, and I'm glad to hear that because they've got a lion on their crest. And uh, for longer time listeners of this show, you know that I do not enjoy lions because they are the most common far and away mascot in the entire world. I think it's very overdone and cliche, but 
it's not the nickname for their team, so that's mitigated a little bit here. And the Lion only occupies the top third, or uh, they're in the top quarter of this crest. And it's so cute because it's just sort of a, a single line drawing of a lion, and he's not very intimidating. And he's got one paw up, and it looks as if he is swatting at the comparatively oversized soccer ball that is in uh, right next to him in the upper left-hand quadrant. So it's really cute. Anyway, they play out of the village of Blowfield in Norfolk County. Uh, that's about five miles east of Norwich proper, a uh, town or village of about 3,500. And by the way, those less familiar with the geography, just to lend some perspective, uh, Norwich County is in the east central part of England. Uh, Blowfield happens to be in sort of the central east part of the county. Norwich beat uh, two level nines and a level eight. They haven't had to play a level seven team yet in order to advance to this stage. Now they play out of what is called the Eastern counties football league premier division. So the best of their divisions in 2015, 16, they won that league and got promoted to the Isthmian, Isthmian, that's too many soft consonants in a row, North One League, which is the highest that they have ever been. They got quickly relegated back down to this one. They actually also won this league in 2014-15, but they declined or were declined promotion. I have a feeling that their uh, grounds were not up to the next league's uh, uh, requirements. In any case, last year when the season was cut short due to COVID, they were 9-2-0 and in second place. This year so far, it's early. They are 4-4-2, six best offense and almost two goals per match. There's a lot of good offensive clubs in this league and then tied for number five on defense. Mildenhall Town, they play out of Suffolk County. Things are kind of geographically oriented and it is this county is directly south of Norfolk County. Now Mildenhall is in the far northwest part of that county. It's about four mile, 40 miles northwest of Ipswich, which for British football fans will be a name that is a little bit more familiar because I know Ipswich has had a team in the championship. Their team right now, I can't remember if it is in uh, the championship, which is the second level or in league one, which is at the third level. In any case, Mildenhall is a town of about 11,000. And it's really interesting. 30% of the population there roughly is actually United States citizens. Why is that? Well, Royal Air Force Base Mildenhall is just north of the town, and that has been being used as a refueling headquarters worldwide uh, for the United States Air Force. And there's also the 352nd Special Ops Wing is uh, based out of there. They do a lot of stuff both in any European theaters and even as far as Africa and uh, near uh, Western Asia. They also play in the Eastern Counties League's Premier Division. Last year, they were just in ninth place when the season got cut off, but they'd only played eight games, a lot fewer than most of the other clubs. This year, they're in fifth place and have really similar stats to Norwich, so this should be an excellent matchup. They won this league in 2016-17, obviously didn't met, spend much time up in the Isthmian League because here they are once again. If they manage to win this in advance, this will be their best run in the FA Cup since 2000-2001. Match number five. Flipping the calendar page to Sunday, this is our only Sunday match, so the last one of the weekend. Match number five takes us to Africa for the Champions League. This is the 2021-22 iteration. They're in the first qualifying round. Teams are about to all play their second matches as part of two-legged ties. They face off against one another in a home-and-away series for our newer footy fans, and then the winner overall advances. Now, before I say much more about uh, this particular match 
or Confederation, I want to talk about why I picked this particular event. This is one of the things that sets this show apart. There are bigger tournaments going on in the world or bigger rounds from other tournaments, perhaps it should be better said, in other parts of the world. But one of the main criterion for this particular show is we like to look at stakes and nothing says stakes to me more than when a team's about to get eliminated. Example, in CONMEBOL, South America's confederation, they're about to play the first leg of the two-legged ties in their semifinals for the Copa Libertadores, which is their Champions League. Now, those are a bigger deal and, quote, more important, end quote. But... I'll be covering one of those matches next week when it's the second leg. This gives us an excuse and an opportunity to look at matches where a team's going to advance, a team's going to get to eliminate, get eliminated, and look at some clubs and tournaments that maybe not every other podcast team does. So anyway, your matchup, A.S. Atoho Doyo out of Congo versus U.D. Songo out of Mozambique. Songo won the first match where they got it at home 1-0. So now Doyo are going to get to see if they can even things up or take the lead in advance on their own home turf. The winner to that end is going to get either Fovu de Bahem out of Cameroon or an excellent team. It'll probably be this one, Petro de Luanda out of Angola. That's one of the better teams on the continent. First, we'll talk about the hosts. Otoho playing out of the city or town of Oyo. And by the way, this is the Republic of Congo in West Central Africa, not the Democratic Republic of Congo. This uh, country is actually a little bit uh, weaker, lower seated overall in the picture in Africa. This uh, town only has about 5,000 people. It is in the central part of the country in the Cuvette, or I suppose the French Cuvée region. The overall department or state has about 150,000 people in it. Their top flight is called League One, and it is rated number 19 in Africa. They won the 2021 the league season that just finished up within the last month or so to qualify for this, and they won it handily. They beat second-best Diablos Noir by 15 points in the table. They had the number one offense and defense going. The defense was where they really shone. They were only giving up a goal on average once every three matches. They've won two other league titles as well, 2018 and then the 2018-19 season, but they've never gotten any further than the first round in either of their two Champions League appearances previously. Their current form, their four-match win streak got broken by losing at Songo here in the Champions League. And now we'll talk about UD Songo out of Mozambique. They play out of an area known as the Kahora Basa District. It's in the northwest part of the country, about 90,000 people. Very agricultural region, very rural. Uh, Two of the key crops are corn and cassava. And uh, I emphasize the rural because this just really puts things into perspective. They've got one of the slightly above average leagues in the country. This team does very well. Yet fewer than 10% of the population in this district even has electricity. Now, Mosambola, uh, the Mosambola, that's the name of the league, or Moshambola, I believe. It is the number 20-ranked league in Africa, so this should be a really good matchup since uh, the Republic of Congo is ranked number 19. This team qualified for this event by being the runner-ups in their league in 2019. The 2020 version wasn't quite finished in time to declare a champion. It's like they need to adjust their calendar a little bit to be lined up with everybody else. They also won their league title in 2017 and in 2018. They are number five so far in the 2021 version of their league. It's moderately early. Uh, As far as their current form, the win that they got in leg one snapped a four 
match league winless streak. They had been 0-3-1 and hadn't been scoring at all. In fact, they literally might not have scored a goal over those four. Uh, they got still overall the tied. Uh, they're tied for number five on offense and number five on defense. My thought in how this will go, I think Otoho is in better form and they should come back at the very least uh, to tie this. And then I believe they can go on to win it in penalty kicks. Kitties or person noob imitating them. Can you tell the difference? In any case, that sounder means that it is time to take a break from tracking the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do in our very long podcast name. That is mainly track. Let's do a recap of last episode's matches. Match number one was a Saturday match out of Major League Soccer. And it was uh, number B Colorado Rapids taking on number four LA Galaxy. The result was a 1-1 draw. Colorado dipped down to number three. Sunday, match number B was from the NWSL, the gals' top flight here in the States. Number B, North Carolina Courage taking on number one, Portland Thorns. Portland came away with a nil one win. That drops the Courage down to number three. Match number three was from Latvia's Versliga or Higher League. Number B, Valmiera FC taking on number one, RFS. It was a 1-1 draw. There was no change in the position in the table for these two. Match number four from Kyrgyzstan's Premier League. Number one, Alga taking on number B, Dordoi Bishkek. And it was the traditional powers from Bishkek, Dordoi, if you will. One to two winners. Uh, they are now tied on points, these two teams. Uh, Dordoi Bishkek take over number one on goal differential. Tuesday, match number five from the Europa Conference League's group stage. The event proper has now started. Maccabee Tel Aviv took on Alashkert from Armenia, and it was the Israeli side coming on top of big 4-1. to one. Guy we said to look for in the box score, Dan Byton. He had a goal and two assists. Match number six from AFC's Champions League, the round of 16, a knockout event. Nagoya Grampus 8 from Japan took out FC Daegu from South Korea, and the result was Nagoya in the shootout. Four shootout, rather, not shutout. Four to two. Nagoya, a guy named Brazilians, uh, a guy from Brazil named Mateus, got an assist that we said to look for. And then a guy that we didn't know to look for so much, Jakob. Swajic, I believe he is Polish, had a hat trick, got three goals for Daegu. Guy we said to look for, Kasinha and Edgar, they both had goals. Wednesday, match number seven was from the UEFA Champions League. FC Sharif Taraspol taking on Shakhtar Donetsk, and it was Sheriff coming out on top 2 0. Guy we said to look for in the box score, Momo Yansane has been real hot of late, had a goal. Match number eight from the Canadian Champions League, the quarterfinals. It was Forge FC taking on Valor FC. Forge came out on top. 2-1. to one. Thursday, match number 9 from the Europa League. Dynamo Zagreb from Croatia took on West Ham from the English Premier League, of course. West Ham came out, out on top nil 2 Match number 10, a CONCACAF Champions League semi-final. It was the second leg of a two-legged tie between Cruz Azul and Monterey. Monterey came in on the back of a 1-0 win over Cruz Azul, and they routed them in their own place. Monterey wins 1-4. Their superstar, Rogelio Funes More, had a brace. The guy we said to look for, uh, last name Metza, also had a goal. And then your bonus matches. Explanations on what these exactly mean coming later. Our route of the week was a Saturday match from the USL Championships Eastern Athletic Division. Uh, number B, Pittsburgh Riverhounds took on number eight, Loudoun United out of Leesburg, Virginia. And it was a route for the week, in fact. 
5-0 in favor of Pittsburgh. Neither team had a change in table position. Guy we said to look for named Canardo Forbes had a brace. The most meaningless match in the world was from the Moshambola of Mozambique. Number five, Ferro Viario Maputo took on number six, Costa del Sol. And it was Ferro Viario Maputo coming on out on top 2-0. That moved that team up to number three, and it took Costa del Sol down at number seven. And then finally, the match of Disappointed, the Saturday match from Major League Soccer. This this match got voted on by you on Twitter and won in a route. Number three, 13 rather, Cincinnati taking on number 14, Toronto FC. And Cincinnati came out on top 2-0, but it wasn't good enough to move them into 12th place. That concludes your recap from last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking next week's matches and dive back in with... Match number six. After a scorching hot weekend like that one, New Bites, you get Monday off. We pick things back up on Tuesday in Asia for the AFC Cup. Mentioned this earlier, it is not the AFC Champions League. This is their secondary tournament. It's not exactly like the Europa League. The winners of a lot of the conferences from the bottom half of the Federation and even a little bit higher take part in this. And some of the second second, third, maybe even fourth best teams from some of the bigger leagues, like from uh, China, Japan, Qatar, those countries. In any case, this is more built for what they call teams that are soccer developing countries in Asia is the way their federation puts it, which means they either have less money, less population, or maybe in a case like India, for example, where soccer is just not the number one sport. In any case, Things are a little bit of a hot mess structurally for this tournament this year because of COVID. Example, all the teams in one of the five groupings, the Southeast Asian one, just all dropped out at the same time because of COVID. So here's what you need to know for this. This is called the West Asian Zonal Semifinal. All that really matters is that you know that there are nine teams left standing. Also, interesting side note for this event, the event winner is going to get a Champions League berth next year. Now, the matchup we're going to look at out of Western Asia is all Kuwait versus all Salt. The visitors play in Jordan. The winners are going to get to play all uh, Muharak out of Bahrain or all, it's A-H-E-D, I assume it's Ahed in Lebanon. First, we'll talk about the hosts, all Kuwait. They are known as the Brigadiers. They were the first sports club in the country, and they were founded 60 years ago. Their league is right about the middle of the Federation coefficients. It is the 25th best. This team has won 16 league titles, and they won all four of the titles between 2016 and 20. They've also won this particular event three different times, most recently in 2013. They have made seven Champions League appearances, and they have made three group stage appearances in the Champions League. They qualified for the rec- uh, for the current Champions League by winning the 2019-20 Premier League, but then they lost to an Iranian team in the second qualifying round and dropped down into a slot in this event. 2020-21 League, they finished number three, second best offense, third best defense. Uh, man to look for in the box score or TV if you can find this on an internet stream somehow. Number three league leading score for them is Yusef Nasser, who's a forward with almost 100 national team caps. As far as this team's current form, they are 3-0 and in their last three. They've only conceded one goal over those, and that includes two matches in the AFC Cup and then one match in their country's FA Cup. Now to Jordan, or not literally to Jordan, but looking at the Jordanian team, Al Salt, they are known as the awesome. See, isn't that so much better than the Lions? It's just, it's just 
better wholesale. Uh, I'll salt the town uh, is a metro area of well over 100,000 people in the west central part of the country. It's on the road, uh, give you some geographical uh, perspective uh, between Amman and then uh, Jerusalem and Israel. And congratulations to the entire city. They were just added to the UNESCO World Heritage Site list. Uh, this is an area that is very much known for its agriculture, especially an area called the Valley of Jethro. You might have heard it before. In any case, uh, olives, tomatoes, real big on its salad ingredients growth. The club was founded about 56 years ago, but the 2018-19 season was the first time they'd ever played in Jordan's top flight. That league is ranked number 10, by the way, in all of the AFC. 2020, they only finished number four. So how did they qualify? Well, the winner went to the Champions League. The number B and number three teams were not even able to get AFC Cup licenses. I assume that has something to do with uh, probably uh, their grounds not being up to spec, but I really don't know. So that berth slipped all the way down to number four, and hence all salt are here, and they've gotten quite a ways. Uh, this year in league play, they are number three so far. They're undefeated, eight wins and eight draws, and no losses. They've got the fifth best offense going of the 12 teams, tied for number one in defense. They've only allowed just over a goal every other match on average. Their current form, one win and three draws in their last four. I like to look at the form to be honest my thoughts on this are the top five t or uh, the top five leagues i should say in asia are in a tier all their own and then things break down with number six through 11 very much being all their own in the coefficients and there's kind of everybody else so it really doesn't matter to me what form they're in i would go with the team out of the number 10 league jordan all day long even if they only did finish number fourth in that league last year match number seven Match number seven is a Wednesday match, and it is our Major League Soccer match of the week. And we picked a, a bit of an interesting one in that there are a lot of good matchups, and this one, in a way, looks not quite as intriguing as before, but bear with me, we will explain. Out of the Eastern Conference, it is number two, Nashville, taking on number eight, Inter-Miami. A few notes about the league first. They're a little over halfway through the season. The top seven teams from each of the two conferences will get to go to the playoffs, the number one teams from each of the conference will get to go straight through to the semifinals. And amongst others, the winners of the two conferences regular season will also get to compete in the CONCACAF Champions League. Now, when I first scouted this, it was a number B versus number five match. But now here at the time of recording, Inter-Miami have slipped down to number eight. It's still intriguing, though, because, again, the top seven make the playoffs. So Inter-Miami are right on the cusp. Here's how the table stands for each team. Inter-Miami, they trail Atlanta United by just one point for that last playoff spot. There's a bunch of teams really close to each other, and Inter-Miami have a game in hand against teams number five through seven, the ones right ahead of them. So they're in pretty decent shape. And considering that they uh, had a horrible start to their season, it's really surprising that they're in the mix at all, to be honest. Nashville, meanwhile, they probably, to be perfectly honest, can't finish better than number B. New England Revolutions are number one in the East. They're ahead by a million miles, and they're looking like they're going to absolutely smash the record for best season ever. But time will tell. Earlier this season, these two teams played, and Miami got a 2-1 win. Now, that's particularly interesting because Nashville have only lost two matches all season long, and one of them was to lowly enter Miami. Let's talk about the visitors first. Miami, this is just their second season in existence in the MLS. They are known as the Herons. Now, and they're pictured right on the crest. 
But what did we think those were pictures of, Persinoob, when we first saw the crest? Flamingos with weird feet. Yes. And since long before we ever started talking about uh, soccer, the two of us, what have you been told by me, your dad, for years about flamingos? Why do we not like flamingos? They pee on themselves. Oh, just nasty, filthy creatures. But these are herons. So maybe they're okay, maybe not. Overall, they're in the same uh, species or subspecies as vultures, and a lot of them do pee on themselves. In fact, some of them both pee and poop on themselves at the same time to make a liquid. But you know why I found out they do that, that I just learned today? It's called urohydrosis. It's not just because they're dumb creatures. And herons are really, really dumb. I looked it up. They're amongst the dumbest animals on the planet that are like multicellular. But there's a thing called urohydrosis where the pee and the poopy mix together to cool, uh, to cool, they cool themselves this way uh, by doing that on their legs. So doesn't that make it a whole lot better? Not really, but a little bit. <laughs> it's pretty gross. But I have good news for Inter-Miami fans everywhere who might be listening, who are tuning into this. While this is common amongst a lot of animals amongst the stork family, as it turns out, we are soccer new, but we are becoming bird pros. Ibises, songbills, and herons cool themselves by flapping what's called a guller pouch. They do not, in fact, necessarily do that nasty, nasty thing to themselves. So, Inner Miami fans, it's okay. You're in the clear. We've got you covered. High five. Slapping hands. We like to do it. It's okay to root for Miami. <laughs> Last year, they fin- this is a weird show. Last year, they finished number 10 in the East and definitely were out of the playoffs. Uh, <clears throat> they This year, they only have the 12th best offense going, number, uh, number eight defense, 10th best goal differential is Uh, All they've got going overall, but they have been gritty and gutty of late. Very impressive. They've been able to climb up the table. Uh, Largely at the feet uh, lies the credit with Gonzala Higuain. They're one of their designated players, their high-paid player superstars. He is out of Argentina, 33 years old, plays center forward, team leading scorer, and for assists as well. His international resume over the course of his career is just amazing. He's one of these guys that make people call the MLS a retirement league. Hey, I like having him here, even if we get him once they're in their 30s. Real Madrid, Napoli, Juve, even Milan and Chelsea then over in the Premier League. He's played for all of them. Now, the team's current form, they've actually won three straight matches. All very close, either 1-0 or 0-1 matches, interestingly. Most of the credit for the recent streak has actually been due to the defense. It's not necessarily been the goalie either. He, maybe he hasn't even had to make a lot of saves. But their back line, Malkoon, Figuel, Perez, have all been sensational. So if you get a chance to watch this on like ESPN+, Plus, make sure to watch that Miami back line. They are, the team is unbeaten in their last six. Now, you have to throw an asterisk on this. They have played Cincinnati. They played Toronto twice over this stretch. It's been weak competition. These have been coin flip games, though, and they haven't lost any of them. So credit to credit is due. Way to go, Herons of Inter-Miami. Now, the far less disgusting to talk about, aside from Nashville, they are also in their second MLS season, part of what's so intriguing about this. There will always be a little bit of a derby feel to these two teams playing each other because they came into the league recently and at the same time. Last year, they finished number seven in the East. They did make the playoffs, but were out in the conference semifinals. Number four on offense, but number one on defense on the league, letting in 
less than one goal per match on average and therefore have the number two overall, oops, number B overall goal differential. Number three on assists is Haney Mukhtar out of Germany. He is their star player, plays midfield. He spent three seasons with Brondby over in Europe. Excellent team over in Denmark. Now, number one goalkeeper. This is the guy who really impresses me for this team is Joe Willis. I think he's the hottest goalkeeper going in the league. He's basically been a career MLSer, so kind of a, a late bloomer, if you will. He spent four seasons most recently, recently with Houston before coming over here. Guy I want you to keep your eyes open, though, for is another defender for this team. It's Daniel Lovitz, but he's been getting assists a lot in his last three matches. He's a box-to-box player, been on a real hot streak. The team's current form, three straight wins, which is interesting because despite the fact that they've only got two losses on the year, this is the first time they've ever won even back-to-back games, let alone three in a row. Match number eight. Match number eight is quickly becoming our traditional slot for a food segment because we not only like to learn about soccer from all over the world here, we enjoy using the learning of football as an excuse to learn lots of other things about the world, whether they relate to football or not. And food is one of our favorites. So first I will tell you about the match number eight that is inspiring our food selection this week. Say hello to the Israeli Toto Cup. This is their League Cup. Now, for newer football fans, here's what that means. Earlier we mentioned we have, you know, in any given country, they have their top league. And then they also have secondary importance and a very, very large importance is their FA Cup, the knockout tournament that gets played at the same time, roughly, in the calendar. Now, the League Cup is also getting played at the same time. Usually this just involves teams from the top, oh, I don't know, two, three, four leagues. In some countries, it's only the teams from the top league. It's very much of tertiary importance, and there is no international berth on the line. You do get the big shiny trophy, of course, but that's about it. And the Israeli one's actually a really classy-looking one, to be perfectly honest. Now, you only have to go back a, a several years before you can find that the Toto Cup was played between teams from all the top three leagues. But then the Liga Arzit went away. And uh, that was the tertiary league in Israel. I believe it was professional or semi-professional. Then for a while, they were only pulling teams for the top two leagues. I don't know if this is because of COVID or not, but the last couple of years, including this year, they're only playing with the teams from the top league, the Premier League from there. But regardless, your final is between Maccabee Haifa and Hapoel Beersheba. Good on them for making the final. Good luck to them both. Let's talk about some food from there. And the food that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to, uh, it's pronounced multiple different ways, and it can say something about where you are from, depending on how you pronounce it. This is uh, known probably mostly as a food uh, from the, the Yemenite Jews, but you can, uh, it has a tradition also in the Aden area. I am going to pronounce it uh Jachnun, or maybe it's supposed to be Jashnun, but now you can also pronounce it with a hard G if you're from a different part of Arabia. In any case, the food itself, it looks gorgeous. Here's what it is. It's a pastry, very thin rolled up one. You uh, have your dough, you roll it out, and you thinly brush it with what is called in that part of the world a samna, which is a clarified butter spiced with hilbe, which is basically fenugreek. And then you age the dough in a, or I'm sorry, no, the clarified butter has been aged in a smoking vessel. And in fact, if you get the truly traditional stuff, the smoke 
is used from a wood of a specific tree, uh, Dadonea viscosa. I do not know the non-scientific name for it. Uh, those who might be of Arabic persuasion or more familiar might know this as chef. In any case, you'll usually add a little bit of honey into that butter after the fact. And then once you've done all this and brushed it and cooked it, the dough is rolled up before cooking. Now, traditionally, this is cooked overnight. You put it on what's called a Shabbat hot plate at a very low temperature, safety first kids, because the, uh, you start the cooking process on Friday, usually in the morning, and then it's eaten on Shabbat Saturday morning. And uh, in traditional Judaism, it's uh, forbidden as custom to turn on or off electrical implements. So you've got to let it cook on on its own all night, not touch it. Now, after that, the pieces are baked or ste- baked and kind of steamed inside a lidded pot. So it bakes it, but it also traps a lot of moisture to prevent drying and burning. And this, the pastry is gorgeous. It turns this whole process turns it a very dark amber cover color, and it gives it a deep, sweet, caramelized taste. Now, it's this is the part that surprised me, given this kind of sweet, but I guess you want your sweet and salty, your sweet and savory. It's traditionally served with hard-boiled eggs on the side, and then for dipping with a tomato salsa, and then also for dipping, something is called a zug, Z-H-U-G. There are several different varieties and colors based on what kind of peppers you use. Interestingly, you do this specifically, this pastry, with a green one. It's an herbal hot condiment with a green pepper, basically akin to or literally, uh, literally a jalapeno pepper. Now, that's a lot to try to reproduce. Probably going to be very hard, like in you know my part of the world, the Western world. But nevertheless, you can Google up on your own a lot of analogous recipes and cooking methods for this. And now I encourage you this week or next week to perhaps try to cook some up and enjoy it to snack on while you're having your footy time. Match number nine. Another Wednesday match. We're off to the Great White North. The Canadian Championship, their FA Cup, has reached its quarterfinal stage. This is a single match knockout format. The winner of the event is going to get to go to the CONCACAF League. Please note that that's not the CONCACAF Champions League. It's a secondary tournament, and the top six teams from that one actually do get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. So it all works together. Your matchup in this quarterfinal is Cavalry FC versus Pacific FC, two teams out of Canada's uh, relatively fledgling Premier League. You can catch this if your soccer package runs deep enough, 10 p.m., Eastern Time, Fox Soccer Plus. The winner is going to get to play Toronto FC at a Major League Soccer or another Canadian Premier League team in York United. As far as how these teams have been doing against one another this year, they've played twice in the regular league season. Calvary at home earned a nil-nil draw, and Pacific won one to three when it was at their place. We will talk about the hosts first, Cavalry. They play out of the very much greater Calgary area in Alberta. It's a, a a very far way south, to be perfectly honest, in Foothills County. The league is pretty young, but this team did win the 2019 Spring and Fall League titles back when they had two different stages, uh, much like their Mexican and Latin American counterparts that particular year. The team advanced to the quarterfinal last round with a nil-two road win over fellow CPL team Edmonton. As far as their league play, they're currently in second place, 
fourth best offense, second best defense. On the scoring leaderboard, man to look for would be Joe Mason out of England. He plays forward for them. He's done time with a couple of championship level clubs, Cardiff City and Wolverhampton. I know Wolverhampton's in the Premier League now, guys, but pretty sure when Joe played for them, they might have either just started in the Premier League or more likely was still at the secondary league level in the championship. Tied for number three in goalkeeping is Marco Carducci. He came up with a Vancouver Whitecaps system, and he's got a fun asterisk next to his name. He was the first ever Canadian Premier League player ever to get called up to the Canadian men's national team. Congratulations to him for that. Their best overall player, though, is probably someone on the defensive side, Dan Klomp. He is from the Netherlands, a defender who's a very solid passer and excellent tackler. You'll be able to spot him easily if you're watching this. Their current form is 2-0 and uh, 1, and that loss was, of course, the loss recently to uh, Pacific that we mentioned. Or if we didn't mention it, they just played, yes, they just played in league. There we go. Now we'll talk about Pacific FC. They play out of Greater Victoria in British Columbia on the south part of Victoria Island. They are number one in the CPL right now, and they're probably going to win it. They have the number one offense by lots and lots, top four defense as well, and the number one goal differential also by quite a hefty margin. Tied for number four in league scoring, Alejandro Diaz out of Mexico, 25-year-old forward. He came up with Club de America, but I don't think he ever made any appearances for them. He was usually loaned out to uh, other uh, top flight or division two clubs there in Mexico. And uh, the guy or one of the guys that he is tied with top four in scoring, maybe we'll talk about him if the team advances, Taryn Campbell is also theirs. Number one league assist, probably their overall best offensive player, to be honest, is Marco Bustos. He also came up with Vancouver and plays attacking midfielder. And they've got tied statistically for the best goalkeeper in the league in, Cal- in Callum Irving, another Vancouver product. And uh, so he came up through their system. The team's current form, they just had to draw in league play with Edmonton. That snapped a four-match win streak for them. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! But don't forget, we still also have our Super Fun 3 bonus matches to follow this person, Noob. But first, yes, another Wednesday match for match number 10. No Thursday matches this particular track made our cut. And to be honest, this is an event that I've been ignoring, fairly or unfairly. It's called the CONCACAF Leagues Cup. Now, why have I been ignoring it? Because I like matches and events that have stakes where there are international tournament berths at play, unless it's at the very highest level, of course, that you could possibly get. And then you are the overall or world of confederation champion. The League's Cup involves the top two teams last year from the MLS and each of their two conferences that didn't make the CONCACAF Champions League. And then also the top four Liga MX teams from last year that did not make the CCL. And there's no international birth at stake. So it's really a glorified exhibition. Now, I am happy to report that this event, and I'm hoping they'll include some teams from some other confederations, but at the very least, they are going to, starting in 2023-24, awarding a CCL birth to the winner of this particular event. So let's talk about the finals. Seattle Sounders versus Leon from Lee MX. You can even catch this on ESPN2 or if you prefer the Spanish language broadcast version on TUDN. That used to be uh, Univision Deportes at 10 p.m. Eastern time. But the match is being played in Paradise, Nevada, which is greater Las Vegas, as you might imagine. We'll talk about Seattle first and how they're doing. They qualified for this event by last year finishing in second place in the event. 
uh, second place in the West. They advanced to the final of this event by beating Santos from Liga MX in the semifinal 1-0. They're having a fantastic MLS season this year as well. They're in second place in the West. But they've got two matches in hand on number one, Kansas City, and they only trail SKC by one. So they're really the best team in the West probably going. Fifth best offense, but the defense is where their bread is really getting buttered. They only allow a little less than one goal per match on average. They've got the number one overall goal differential, and they are, again, no slouch on offense. Second best league scorer is theirs, Raul Rui Davis, Perovi. Peruvian short guy, five foot seven, four, known as the Flea, but he's excellent. In fact, he played with Morelia for a season uh, before coming here to Seattle three years ago. Incredible brawl control, and you really want to watch him if you're, if you're eyeballing this game as he moves off the ball because he's great, as probably because of his stature, at sneaking in past defenders really close to the goal to get crosses and other passes. Now, but the guy that I really think makes everything tick is uh, top 10 men on assist for them, a Brazilian named Joao Paulo. He's a midfielder. Just came over in January from Botafogo. This team's form, they have been in great shape lately. 6-0-1 in their last seven matches, and they've been incredible on defense. And now, Leon, they are known as the Green Bellies or the Wild Beast Leon Lion. You can get the connection there. They qualified by being the third best team in the aggregate table last season in Mexico. They advanced to the final of this event by beating Pumas UNAM in Houston, they got a nil-two win, although Houston has been pretty lousy this year, to be honest. Right now, in the 2021 Apertura stage, they are number three after eight matches. Third best offense. They're only tied for eighth best on defense, but to be honest, things are really condensed in that particular statistical category. This truly is one of the top three or four teams in that league, especially when you look at the goal differential. On offense, in the league, second best score has been theirs, Angel Mena. He's an Ecuadorian winger. Now, I'm not sure that they've been starting all of their best guys in this event. It'll be interesting to see whether or not they use all starters for the final and try to get that trophy because tied for number one in event scoring is not necessarily one of their greatest offensive players, Omar Fernandez. Don't get me wrong. He's very good. Colombian attacking midfielder, even shorter than the flea, actually five foot five and a half. Interesting. And then tied for number one with him in event scoring is a guy that I'm not sure has more than one goal, even in uh, Liga MX this year, Santiago Colombato. He's an Argentinian midfielder. As far as the team's current form, they have not lost a match since they lost their first two matches of the league season. I think this is where I would have to put my money since this is on a neutral site. Bonus match time. Each and every week early on, I put up candidate matches onto various Twitter polls. Soccer Noob USA is my handle, by the way. You vote, magic content happens. And these, as you'll see, aren't the usual just quote-unquote important matches like the first 10. Uh, the first one that you selected is a first versus last place matchup from some top flight league in the world that we like to call the... Route, 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 route. of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. Oh, so dramatic with the homemade echo sound effect. Person noob, you are a treasure. And our route of the week this week is a Sunday match coming from Uzbekistan's Super League. Uh, new coefficient rankings just came out, and uh, the, everything's coming up Uzbekistan, apparently. They're all the way up from number 10, I believe. Now they're at number 7 in the league rankings. The team now gets two Champions League berths, 
Two teams are still going to get relegated out of the league, and then the third to last place team at the end of the year will have to be in what is called a relegation playoff match. Two-thirds of the way through the season is where they are now, and your matchup is number 14, last place, Andajan versus number one, Pak Tekor. They played once earlier this season. Pak Tekor came out on top with a surprisingly just narrow win of 1-0. Andajan currently trails second-to-last place Turan by just two on goal differential, and then Sirkon by two points, and Andajan has a better goal differential. So all hope is not lost for this team to climb out of the relegation zone. On the other end of the spectrum, Pactacor, they've got a berth wrapped up. I wonder if they haven't mathematically won the league yet, but it's getting close. Uh, they lead number B, Sogdiana, by 14 points in the table. So first, your road Cullen waiting. Let's look at Andajan. They are called the Eagles. 400,000 people in this city. It's uh, If you know what Kyrgyzstan looks like, there's the main body of the country that's got a little tiny rat tail sort of out to the east. And Andajan is way in the furthest east part of that, right on the uh, border with Kyrgyzstan. Uh, it's an area that's known for its medium-sized equipment manufacturing, and it used to be a fairly important city on uh, what was in ancient times known as the Silk Road. The club was founded 64 years ago, and yet they only reached Division One for the first time in 2013. Best they've ever done is number five. That was in 2008. Last year, they were in 13th place. I'm guessing that they suspended relegation a lot of like, like a lot of leagues did. That's a lot of L words. Like a lot of leagues did because of COVID. Uh, this year, they are in uh, 12th place on offense, statistically tied for the worst defense. They give up well over one and a half goals per match. Second to worst goal differential. Uh, their least bad player, let's call him that, team-leading scorer is Usmanali Ismanaliyev. He's a midfielder, 23 years old. As far as the team's current form, they are 0-1-3 in their last three and have uh, just a 3-8 to eight goal differential. Meanwhile, Pak Tekor, they are known as the Lions. Boo. Although the word Pak Tekor, they play out of the capital of Tashkent, actually means cotton growers. They have won 13 league titles since 1992 and are the two-time defending champs and will certainly have their way with Andijan even on the road. Champions League, they've actually made the semifinal twice, so you've got to go back close to 20 years to find those exploits. This year, excuse me, they made the group stage. They finished third place and did not get to advance. League play this year, they are undefeated and have a 32-4-6 against goal differential in their 18 matches. Number one across the board, as you might imagine, in all categories. Number one league scorer is Dragan Seron. He is a Serbian attacker, veteran, 33 years old. The team's current form, they had a nine-match winning streak broken recently uh, as they had a nil-nil draw at home versus Nabvahor. Now, my thoughts are that, you know, Pak Tekor should win this by any score they want. But the fact that the first match was close could be a little bit telling if you want to hang your hopes on Andijan. And the fact that Pak Tekor's got the league title basically sewn up. So who knows? Maybe we could even see an upset in the usually route of the week. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Oh, the irony. Giving two teams that are perfectly equidistant from the top and bottom of their standings, or at the very least international berths and relegation zones, depending on the league. Yes, the most meaningless match in the world truly is. Although, to be perfectly honest, the one you chose this week became a little less meaningless between 
right now when you're listening to it and the time that I first scouted it. It is from the USL Championship, the second division level of soccer in America, where they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. There are two conferences this year, four divisions with either seven or eight teams each. And the top four from each conference are going to get to the playoffs. There is no relegation, but you still don't want the bad taste in your mouth. That is last place. Now, this was a number six versus seven match when I first looked at it, but things have changed since I first scouted it. Oakland Roots, your hosts, are now number five. And they are still taking on number seven, LA Galaxy 2, the reserve team for the Major League Soccer side. This is from the Western Conference's Pacific Division, where Oakland trail Tacoma by three for the last playoff spot. So maybe not so meaningless after all. Meanwhile, LA Galaxy 2 lead last place Las Vegas by six. Now, they've played twice already this regular season. Oakland won both times, two to one at home, and then three to two when they were on the road. You can catch this on ESPN Plus, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. First, we'll talk about the Roots. This is their first year playing Division II soccer. They came up from the relatively new league here in America called the NISA. NISA, which constitutes the part of the third division of American soccer. The whole club, in fact, was only founded in 2018. Last year, in the Western, in the West Coast Division or Conference of NISA, they finished number one in the fall season. They did it in two stages, and they finished the second playoffs second place in the playoffs, I should say. And then, presuming because they were getting ready to play in the USLC, they did not participate in NISA's uh, spring season. This year, it's interesting that they're making a climb up the table a little bit because they still have the worst offense in the entire division, and they're only tied for number four on defense, to be perfectly honest. And it all squares away that they're tied for number seven on goal differential, just not that great statistically. Uh, best all-around player they've got going is probably their center back, Kai Green. Uh, he's done time with a couple of other clubs at this level, uh, Rio Grande Valley and San Antonio. Uh, what is it that he excels at? Well, his passing stats are excellent. Uh, in open space, his dribbles, he has over an 80% success rate, which is sensational. And he's very physical, nearly an 80% tackle success rate. I don't see a whole lot of that. Now, something new we've also started doing is let's look at the most meaningless player on the team statistically for no particular reason other than that. And that is the most meaningless match. Uh, Wall Fall out of Senegal. Yeah, one L for Wall, two Ls for Fall. Senegalese central midfielder is the most average player. He really has similar stats to uh, Kai Green, to be perfectly honest, except, except he's not nearly as good on tackling. He does have four goals on the season, just one assist. You kind of want to see more out of that for a central midfielder, to be perfectly honest, but the goals help make up for it. So perfectly average, perfectly meaningless. And now the form for the team, they are 2-1-0 in the last three. Now, the two side for LA Galaxy. Last year, they finished number eight in the West and made the playoff quarterfinals. 2014 was the best finish they ever had in league. They finished number three. 2015 was their best playoff run. They got to be runners up that year. This year, second best offense going, but the defense, woof. They are number seven in that category, giving up over two goals per match. That's so bad that they are the team with which their opponents today are tied for seven best goal differential. Uh, top 10 scorer in the league for this team is theirs, Preston Judd, 22-year-old forward. On the assist leaderboard is Josh Drack. 
Uh, he is a fullback winger, really splits his time, just 21 years old, but probably their best all-around player is a Mexican central attacking midfielder. He's just 20 uh, with nine goals and four assists on the year. Uh, Jorge Hernandez, their most average or meaningless player, has definitely been Jesus Vasquez. He is a Mexican center back. His passing is pretty good uh, statistically as far as the success percentage, but very few of his passes have been key passes, only five on the whole season. They're definitely not running things through him, if you will. His tackling percentage is okay. Not really great. Not that physical for a center back, to be perfectly honest. When he's in open space and is dribbling, he's really good, but he's only had like seven of those opportunities this year. Hence the meaninglessness. As far as the team's form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three with an unsurprising 8-11 and goal differential. And now, New Bites, we have truly come to the end of our podcast road, and we finish things off not with a match to be celebrated like the rest of the podcast, but with two teams that are worthy of your scorn, perhaps even to be shunned, although we hope you listen to the actual match. These are two teams that you have voted on that are going to be playing one another that occupy the very bottom of some top flight league in the world. This is the match of disappointed. And it is a Sunday match you have chosen from Iceland's top flight called the Ervilsteld. It is the fourth to last place ranked league in Europe. Hey, it's one of the smaller countries. What are you going to do? Two of the teams are going to get relegated. There are only two matches left in the season, and we have a crap fest race, if you will. A game of musical chairs that will stink because there are at least three teams that could still get relegated. Your two most likely candidates are number 12, last place IA, taking on and playing host to number 11, Filker. Now, Filker won the home match earlier this season to 3-1. Here's how the table stands. Filker lead IA by one, and they trail a team abbreviated HK by one. One of these teams is going to survive. The other two are not going to. Who cares? They're all so very, very disappointing. But we care a little bit. We'll talk about them. Let's talk about IA first, the host. The A stands for Akronese. This is a town that's about 30 miles north of Reykjavik, about 7,500 people. And goodness, I hope that there's something lost to the translation here from Icelandic because their nickname just sounds so weird and appropriate for the match of disappointed. They are known as the Yellow and Happy. That's not even two separate nicknames. That's all one. All right, fine. Moving on from that. Last year, they finished in eighth place in the league. And oh, how this crappy team longs for their halcyon days of the late 20th century. Not since 2001 have they won the league title, but they've won 18 of the darn things. What the heck happened? Did half the village burn down? We don't know. They've never gotten past the second round of any European competition, though. This year, they are 4-3-13 and 13 on the year. Uh, the offense is only a little below average. They're number eight in that category, but they've got the worst defense, allowing more than two goals per game. You just can't do that. You might end up yellow, but you will certainly not be happy, and that's good for only the second-to-last place uh, goal differential in the league. Team leading scorer and perhaps least awful player is Gisli Unarsson. I am not even sure the pronunciation of the first name, but it's the match of disappointed. I didn't want to give him the respect of looking his darn first name up. But I will tell you, he is an attacker, just 20 years old, and he has, ooh, four goals on the season. Now, their form... This is amazing. They've actually won 
two consecutive games. Uh, I believe one was an FA Cup match and one was a league match, and they've had a 6-2 and two goal differential. So who knows? Maybe this incredibly disappointing team is the one that could survive. But first, we'll take a look at Filker before we make any guesses. They are a team that is playing directly out of the capital city of Reykjavik. Boring, all black and white crest, no other colors, which is surprising because you watch a play at home – their home kit, at least the jersey, is mostly orange. It's really kind of cool, but they don't have it in their crest. Very disappointing as well. Uh, best league finish for them. They did uh, get second place two different times, but that was back in 2000 and 2002. Uh, they've been to the Europa League a couple of times, therefore, but they just have a 1-3-6 record there all time. I've never made any noise. Last year, they finished in sixth place in the league, so this is quite a step down. To that end, their record is just 3-7-10 and 10 on the year. The only reason they're not in last place is the fact that they've been able to get so many draws. Seven is the most in the league. Tied for the worst offense. Number 11 defense, two goals per match, and the worst overall goal differential is their bed to sleep in. Yikes. Uh, team leading scorer, least crappy player is Dejer Parfit Williams. He's an English attacker with five goals. And oh, how he probably wishes he were still a young lad back when he was playing with the youth system of West Ham. He was with their U23 team for a while. So these are your most disappointed in teams. And we do not end the podcast by wishing them good luck as we might far better teams like the ones we've been covering, but rather we'll send them on wishing them nothing but Grief, injury, and in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! And that concludes episode 49 of Tend to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all his editing and production duties. To Dan, my website's former interno inferno. He was on fire then and remains so now. Thank you very much for all of your creative efforts and inspirations. To my daughter dearest, person noob, thank you so much. I love doing this with you. I wonder if we're the only father-daughter soccer podcast out there. I almost kind of hope so. We have lots of fun and it's fun to try to be unique. And thank you to you. We appreciate so much that amidst all the myriad of football podcasts that are out there that you've taken the time to uh, find us or if you found us by accident that you've uh, tried us out, perhaps even stayed with us. We try to, we really endeavor to bring you a unique perspective on lots of different games and leagues and tournaments that maybe anybody else out there is doing. And then of course our own unique brand of humor as well. Now our birthday, as I mentioned before is next week or anniversary, whatever you want to call it. What could we wish for more as we would be blowing out our candles than for you to share our podcast with a footy or budding footy fan in your life? We please hope you will. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.